All right, welcome to the Mike Dominic Show. I am, as always, Mike Dominic. Today I have uh, Monica Ihens Madden, whose name I'm almost sure I just butchered, but you know, she'll forgive me. Uh, Monica's a pretty interesting uh, person. She works with John O'Bacon, and like me, she has a very non traditional background. I think her background is in the classics, if I recall from the conversation I just had. And where mine is, of course, in medieval literature. Uh, but she's working in technology. She's facilitating open source and community engagement. Really, really fun conversation for this one. Uh, kind of jumps all around. We actually get into gaming for a little bit. So I think there's going to be a lot here for whether you're interested in open source, free software, community, or hell, video games. Um, again, you know, I've been doing these shorter intros, so I think I'm going to keep with that for now. The show is brought to you by my consulting company, The Mad Botter. We do have some bandwidth open for Python development. And if you're interested in having some of your backend, uh, you know, office type thing, reporting type things automated, drop me a line regarding our Rabot product. We are in early release and we are making sweetheart deals in early release. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the show. Hello, Monica. How are you? Good. How about you? I'm good. So today we have Monica A. Hens Madden. She, uh, well, there's lots of stuff. She organizes the People Powered Book Club, various open source magical things, and generally keeps jokers like me in line on Twitter, right? Is that a fair? <laughs> I think that's a pretty fair, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Yeah. Awesome. So I, I think the first thing is let's just get the elephant out of the room. Uh, what the hell is People Powered? I know last week we had Jono <laughs> on, but just a little bit about the book club versus the actual book. Yeah, so the book club was oh my gosh, so speaking of speaking of Twitter, that's where the book club all started. Um because this summer uh Bill, um one of my awesome awesome teammates from Ubuntu Mate and I we talked about, oh hey, we should get this book and read it because it's all about how to make your communities, either how to build them up for the first time or how to make them stronger, how to make them more vibrant. And we're just like, this book would be great. And so Bill posted a picture to Twitter when he got the book and I was so happy. I'm just like, we could do a book club now. <laughs> it was like this throwaway comment, but he had tagged Jono in the post. And so he answered like, I'd be down to do something for people powered. And then it just all snowballed <laughs> from there um, because I was like, oh, an open source book club. That would be great. And then I was like, well, somebody obviously must have done this. And then I found um, opensource.com had done a book club a few years back for the open organization. And so I wrote them and they're like, hey, so Jono said he'd be down to do this. Are you guys still doing book clubs? And they're like, no, because he moved to a different team, our book club person. But if you guys get it together let us know and we'll share a link and so it was kind of Jono and Bill and I kind of going back and forth and it's become this thing we have over 200 people in it and we start in about a little less than three hours so it's it's and we have people from all kinds of open source projects and major companies and he's there and we have somebody who's going to be trying to join us from New Zealand so which I think the book club is at five in the morning for him on oh, Wednesday Oof. that is dedication so it's like hopefully he has a really big mug of tea that's all I'm saying or just goes back to bed 
<laughs> so you mentioned tea. We are both, uh, shall we say, tea enthusiasts. Is that yes, fair? Yes, yes. I have to fair. ask, do you have a cup in front of you? I do. I do. Which is, um, it is Lady Grey's Garden. And I am just, I am one of those bad people. You know how you're supposed to drink loose tea like within a few months to a year? Yep. Uh, I've had this one for like four and a half years. I'm just, I know, I know. I'm just trying to finish it now. But it's from the Boulder Dushanbe Tea House, which um, a friend of mine from Colorado gave me as a wedding gift, actually. And if you ever get to Colorado, oh my goodness, they brought this tea house over from I want to say one of the from one of the stands um and they rebuilt it like brick by brick in Boulder and it is like the most beautiful tea house just ever and their tea menu is like a cheesecake factory menu of tea I would die in there uh-huh it's oh it's amazing so yes that is what's in my cup this morning so, so i had a plan mm-hmm. i had some great earl gray tea mm. um from a place called the the whiting whitney i think it's actually whitney tea company Ooh. i have never been there because i believe they're in baltimore or boston oh one of but, those B places on the East Coast. One of those cities that I don't like very much, right? No offense to Boston or Baltimore, except for Boston. Uh, so I order from them online. But mm-hmm. I hit the old man double header last night. I went to bed very early and I somehow overslept at the same time. No. So I was forced in an act of desperation to not be too late to make a very sad cup of Irish breakfast tea in a regular Twinings bad. I feel very low brow. Oh, that's okay. No, Twinings is Twinings is good. And oh my gosh, have you been to London and gone to the original Twinings store? I have not, but it sounds like you have. <gasps> yes, it's it's my the pilgrimage I make, I used to go every few years for research trips. And what's cool is that the store is the original store from like 17 whatever since it's been open. And it's this little tiny narrow store crammed full of tourists getting tea. And that is one thing I am totally fine being a tourist. But what's cool is in the back is that they'll be doing tea tastings. So I got to like try this Darjeeling that was amazing and way too expensive for me to buy on like a student budget. Yeah. But it is it. Oh, my gosh. There's like someone she made like a travel book for tea fans of like all the best places in the world to go like get tea or have tea or all that. Yeah, I, I think people who have not gotten into a full Unix beard tea hippiness won't mm-hmm. understand just how expensive of a habit it can be because mm-hmm. um, it starts off cheap, right? You know, you maybe graduate <laughs> from like, you know, like, like every other drug, you, you start off soft, right? You got a little bit by of, the ounce. <laughs> right. You're, you know, all right, well, I'm going to move up from like Lipton to Twinings to maybe Bigelow. And then, uh, all right, I'm moving on from regular tea bags, those fancy triangle ones. But as soon as you go loose leaf, things start just scaling, you know, exponentially. Yeah, because then you have to get the right, oh my gosh, like for us, um, 
trying to get the right strainer. Like a few years ago, I like so many other things I've gotten my husband into like Thai and Indian food. I also got him into into tea and he just went, oh my gosh, we were at one of the when Tivana went out of business or got bought by Starbucks and Starbucks closed them all down. And promptly um, shut down, right. And probably shut them all down, which was sad because it was like free tea samples at the mall. It was fantastic. So I took my husband to the store where you could tell that it was obviously all the old Tivana st- stuff with new labels. And he sampled some tea and he's like, I'm going to do this. And we promptly went and got, got like $50 worth of infusers and loose leaf tea. Yep. And it's just like, well, you just jumped straight into the deep end, friend. But um, our infusers were, you know, when you get the ones that the holes are too big and then yes. your tea just kind of floats out. Yeah, so thankfully this cup that I have, which was a gift from my nephew last year for Christmas, well, a gift from his mom because he was six months old at the time, but he's got really good taste. And so it's a mug that says my cup of tea and it comes with a fine mesh strainer that just sits in the cup. Now, see, that sounds perfect. I have actually taken to making my own tea bags so you can buy Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Individual nice. service. Yeah, because I was having that same problem. And I know folks listening are like, oh, my God, hippies, stop. <laughs> just, just it, I, like nobody wants a mouthful of tea leaves. You know, yeah. some mint teas aren't bad, though, especially if you're traveling and you, you know. Yeah, you know. yeah that's true. <laughs> Fair warning. If I, th- I think just, you know, my listenership, here's an analogy for you. Loose leaf tea is like Magic the Gathering. You think you're only going to pay for one draft a week. It's worse. You're just, I would never discourage someone, but uh, definitely pick a tea company that you like that does some sort of rewards program. Mm-hmm. Or, or just be very rich. I mean, obviously that would solve, <laughs> frankly, money. You know, it's election season here and I don't talk politics much, but the Democrats are right. In that, if you just throw money at things, problems tend to go away. So I don't know. Yep. Like for instance, I wanted tea. I spent two hundred dollars at the Whiting Tea Company. My problem was gone. Yep. Oh, like, there you I, go. And I would be happy to stimulate. I mean, if I got money to put into the economy, I would be happy to put it towards awesome tea company. Especially since now I can't like go to any of my tea places in town. So thankfully, some of them you can order them online. And so thankfully, the ones that I've tried, I can order and get in the mail a couple days. Yeah, we had a that's good. We have a local shop here in Tampa. I believe the man is uh, it's a little weird. So the owner is Pakistani. But because he did not want to like openly do that at the time mm-hmm. when he opened during the war, he which is weird because you know we weren't at war with Pakistan. Mm-hmm. He decorated the shop like an Indian tea shop, like all out. Like he's got like Indian goddesses just like hanging around as all this like you know chachka things. Mm-hmm. And now he realized because he's closed that he was losing money on the retail shop. So not only is he selling the tea online, he's actually selling you all the tchotchkes from the shop. So if you buy enough, you get like a statue of like Shiva. 
It's that is, man, that is like the best tea club bonus. No, but it's like, you know what? Like, he got me. I'm like, all right, if I spend like 30 more bucks, though, I get like this, you know, be nice on my own. Yeah, you know, it's not like, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome yeah so yeah. it's just and 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 so finding sadly i the places i've gone to were much less oh there was one place called um something dr bombay's underwater tea something i already love it oh yeah and it, they had like parasols hanging from the ceiling and it had totally had this like used bookstore library airy vibe and yep. i only went there once but and sadly all their tea was bagged which oh my gosh so <laughs> tea people on like yelp are so picky they're just like their tea only was bagged blah 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 it's like yeah but you get to sit under parasols and it's dr bombay's underwater tea place that's you know I, it's okay to have bagged tea it's I, not I, awful i do have to say though if somebody was like, so where were you, you know, this afternoon? I'm like, oh, I was at Dr. Bombay's. There was like, there was probably a less racist way to say that, Mike. <laughs> you know, it's I, some of them, some of those shops are over the top and you're like, ah, should I, should I go with this or feel bad about it? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So I think that that one was probably the most over the top. The other two places were, there's one in Atlanta. Sadly, they closed a location that I like to go to because again you know hard to get people kind of in person but they're called just add honey and they they were doing it this summer and i want to do it this fall they were doing tea blending classes i think that's the next level of tea nerdery is blending your own teas oh my god don't even tell me that don't, yeah. don't. No, right, we have to. We have to bail out. We have to bail yes. out of this. So, so you do open source stuff. Please don't do. tell me it's a tea encyclopedia. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, the main two things I am doing at is it just two? Yeah, I think it's uh, like two things that I actually do. Like you know, like technical ish, and by which I mean documentation for is Ubuntu Mate. And open MRS. So, and both of those, it's mainly with kind of onboarding and contributor guides. So, what I'm working on, uh, like this month for Ubuntu Mate, is fixing our bug reporting page and making it clearer and more usable for people because when I put it together this February, March, what whatever month, I was really new to contributing then and knowing like what all went into the bug reporting process. So there's definitely some things that need to be fixed. And so um, somehow in that process, I also became like a mentor to a small Hacktoberfest team of Doc, of documentation volunteers the, either that so either that was just incredibly like what are you doing you have so much on your plate or I'm delegating stuff so I can't decide whether it's just not a good decision or absolute genius but hopefully we'll get to we'll let them see how to contribute in a meaningful way and make pull requests that help a project and not just you know spam maintainers and make them hate their lives 
So I, I'm sure you mentioned Hacktoberfest. I'm sure mm-hmm. you've seen the uh, recent, uh, let's call it uh, stale tea storm. Yeah. Where, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the code, so yeah, Coda Radio will come out before this. Uh, Chris and I had a discussion about it. And uh, I, I'm curious what your take was on some of the angry maintainers and, um, you know, so for folks who don't know, Hacktoberfest is a, I would call it like charity, community building, blatant marketing, but for some reason people don't say that thing <laughs> that DigitalOcean and GitHub do, where if you submit a pull request, I don't think it actually needs to be accepted. <laughs> yeah, I think it, like you just have to submit, I think, four that don't get marked at, or flagged as spam. Right. And then you get a t-shirt. Or evidently can plant a tree. I'm 99.9,000% sure people are getting the t-shirt, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there was some YouTuber, and this is where Mike shows his age and waves his cane. I did not know there were YouTubers for tech and coding. How I missed that opportunity is beyond me, but great. <laughs> so Mike's an old man. I bet, I bet Jono didn't miss it. But Jono's like on it. Oh, <laughs> so, totally. Yeah, it. see, it's just me. So... <laughs> He decided, this in person, who I'm not going to name because he's already gotten enough crap about it, that the barrier to entry for people who were talented coders was that they didn't know how to make a pull request in the GitHub GUI. Now, that logic is fundamentally flawed, Mm -hmm. but, you know, he did what he did. So he made a video where he made a pull request on some sample repo and it said, it just changed the readme to like awesome, dash awesome project, yes. right? Yes. Yes. Oh my god. So apparently all the cool kids are on YouTube and thousands of them decided, holy crap, I can get a t-shirt. And just by putting awesome in? Nice. Yeah. Some some of our friends at various prominent and even smaller open source projects. Uh, to say they're on their heels might be an understatement. So obviously no one can advocate for spam, right? But, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know you're a community builder. You you do a lot of this, like making things more accessible for folks. I, I'll just put my cards on the table. I, I think the, the guy who thought that the barrier to entry was not knowing how to click three buttons and make a pull request was kind of just like very poor judgment, right? Like kind yeah. of crazy i mean not that i'm you know and i don't want to put my hand on this go but what do you think because this is kind of your wheelhouse i'm a jerk so i'd be like ah, get these kids out of here yeah and i think that it was um was what happened during our meeting on saturday to kind of kick things off and we had a group of about 10 and I had just been planning to use this Hectoberfest group to kind of stay on track with Ubuntu Mate and open MRS stuff. It's like, okay, we'll all kind of do our own things. I'll stay accountable. That's fine. But as the organizers started going through the projects and seeing how many of them, you know, that had been marked as, oh, these are really good projects for first time people. And they just gotten overwhelmed by these really spammy it's like oh awesome project awesome link awesome you know it started to look more like the script for the lego movie than a <laughs> read me <laughs> everything is awesome i know <laughs> um i just you know i was just like okay what 
what we also need isn't just to be like to shame this but be like okay then this is where mentorship and kind of guiding and be like okay you're interested in this here's something we need to improve in our project and thankfully for us it's like one or two pages on our site so it's something that within the scope of a month is a really feasible project and so I was like, hey, can I make, you know, uh, I have an idea. And I told them, it's like, okay, I contribute to this project. We've got this page that could, we need some feedback from our com community and the rest of the web team uh, to make this better. How would you all kind of like to basically help me with this? And they were just like, yes that'll be great and so i kind of walked them through our discourse and how they sign up thankfully uh luke our web team lead didn't flip out when i told him like oh by the way we're gonna have some hacktoberfest people helping us yay because <laughs> it was just it this just kind of happened but i think that especially with some of the changes that digital ocean is thinking for next year of having groups that can not only opt in but see this as an opportunity to bring new contributors on board and bring them in not, you know, more as part of the community and not just as kind of these lone wolves kind of sniping markdown files for a t-shirt. Then I think that's a so much more of so much more of a sustainable way. And so hopefully when Hacktoberfest rolls around next year, maybe we'll have some more things and we can kind of actually plan it out instead of being, you know, another one of my spur of the moment things. It's like, oh, hey, this would be cool. And then do the cool thing. So. So crazy idea here. Mm -hmm. um, why is there no incentive for the maintainers from DigitalOcean slash GitHub, mm. right? Because really, like, if yeah. you have ever had junior people work for you, it's not exactly productive or fun. Mm -hmm. um, and I get, like, so I do a giveaway twice a year. Uh, kids have to do their own open source project and they get a Thalia, right? Oh, just, yeah. But so the way sweet. I avoid this problem is I make them do big projects. And if the project mm -hmm. is, like, insufficient in size, I just ignore it. Sorry, yeah. kids. <laughs> I hope I said that explicitly. Um, now, Dio is a lot bigger, so they, they want to hit a bigger scale, of course. But it seems unfair to take like, I don't know, let's just take your project, Ubuntu Mate, for the team over there who's like not huge, right? No, Ubuntu, no, not huge. To basically be taking on a bunch of labor for what is effectively a marketing campaign for Dio. And I know I'm being very cynical about this because I am. Why is there not like some kind of, I don't know, if not kickback for Mate, like even like a couple treats for the, the maintainers that have to like deal with this crap, right? Yeah, and that might be something, you know, especially since I think that there's going to be a lot of intentional work going into how to fix this for next year, um, that that could be like something like free droplets or maybe some other kind of services um, that they could like if you opt in to Hacktoberfest you know 
A, to make it, you know, I, I know that there's been a lot of debate on whether, you know, on making it opt-in, but also I think that's a really good point. How do you make it worth those maintainers while, especially for small projects where it might be like three people and they're already kind of over their head without having to kind of weed out all of these things. And I think that's a really good conversation that if that happened and if the organizers kind of could take what was feasible to heart, I think that could make Hectoberfest 2021 a lot better. Yeah. And with the understanding that you're never going to ungrumpify the grumpy Linux. Oh, groups, no. Right? There's always people they're, who are going to be like, meh, 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 meh. Right. They're going to find a reason to like rage on Hacker News and Reddit. and uh, <laughs> Yeah. Please email somebody else with your complaints this week, by the way. <laughs> Please. Uh, all right. So the reason we were originally going to get together is you and I have unusual <laughs> backgrounds. Yes. Yes, we do. So everybody knows that I'm a whack job. So that's pretty much yeah, eh, stated okay. fact. Um, I like Jar Jar. That's all you need to know. <laughs> it's <laughs> wow. Did that hurt you? Jar Jar thing. <laughs> I'm not gonna go like Simon Pegg in um, what's his character in that TV show? Oh, spaced. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and his like irrational Jar Jar. So, yeah, it's okay. I mean, I'm still talking to you and I comment on your Twitter like so much. So obviously it is okay. We, I did not know this was a Gungan safe space, but <laughs> it is a Gungan safe space. All right. So what is, so, and, and the real weird background is the medieval lit degree. So what is your background? I have a bachelor's in um, ancient Greek the um, the language, which I can barely read anymore because I haven't used it in a long time. And I have a master's degree in maritime history. So, and then started, yeah. And then started work on a PhD. And then I was like, academia is maybe not the place for me. So yeah, a lot of history and languages that aren't really exactly practical in the modern world. I don't know what you're talking about. Just the other day, yeah. um, the summoner came to my house and we were talking about ye old times with our good friend Chaucer. You know, he brought the wife of Bath. Uh, you know, the knight was there. He's a little drunk, but he was there. Yeah. <laughs> Dead languages, what? Yeah. yeah. I um I think there's a scene oh my gosh in the um, American President which is one of my favorite movies and um they have like the French president and his w- wife there and something like the vice president's wife said you know they're asking who knows French and she is like I know Latin and Martin Sheen and oh is it Martin Sheen's character says, great, the next time we have Julius Caesar over to the White House, you can talk to him. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh, such a dig. Yeah. Savage, savage. Okay, so, yeah. so what do you think that has done for you now being in the technology space? You know, I'm finding that there is so much of the history toolkit that is, especially for doing 
documentation and other kind of really high level things. If you're trying to put stuff in context, if you're trying to synthesize a lot of kind of different sources into something that is usable for different audiences. But also I think that it's so much because history is is focused on the human element. And I think that for a while, we kind of really got away from that in tech, like kind of all this stuff kind of came out of the ether and wasn't attached to people. And now we're kind of, and I know it seems like trying to put more attention on the people who make the code and write the docs and, you know, like everything, like almost nothing is a historical. Historical. And so I think that we just, you know, we, we see where we connect to trends and events and processes that are kind of deeper than our everyday consciousness. And maybe we can be the ones who kind of, you know, when something you know, you see this on Twitter where someone's like, oh, I thought of this entirely new thing. And it's like, no. It's from the really 70s. Have. I don't know yeah, that. Yeah, right. and it's like, oh, yeah, that's a brand. It's like saying, oh, we need to do a history of this. It's like, yeah, we decided like 30 years ago that, that really doesn't work in that way. And here's what we've been doing since then that helps explain things. Um, I think that that's a really valuable insight and it's just and it's all of these things that are I think a lot kind of harder to teach in kind of a nice like little neat package so I think that taking people with that you know with that humanities liberal arts background and doing what you do and giving them the tools and the competencies that you get people with just I don't know, just a different way of seeing things and doing things that is really needed. So, yay, hire people with more medieval lit degrees and history degrees and English and all of those things. So are you saying it's the intersection of liberal arts and sciences, Uncle Steve? Yeah. See what I did there? Did you like that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I have had a pretty hot take for my now eight years of podcasting, how I've survived. This is unbelievable to me <laughs> that software development is in fact, not a science. And I know that's like a lot of people get on their heels, but in a science, right? There is generally one or two correct ways to do something. And it's a matter of following procedure in an art. It's subjective. And this is the key. You get better with experience, not better as in you make less mistakes, but you literally get better, right? I know I can feel the tweets coming already a week in the future. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but And I, I actually think that more as I've seen my beloved Objective-C be horrendously betrayed. Aww. That's that's how I'm framing this. You have ancient Greek. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, you know... I, it's like Carthage falling, really. I, my heart is broken. Yeah, you know, it is on that level of tragedy there. Yeah, it's a, I, Objective C is my Dido. But, and the kids, <laughs> if you don't understand that reference, I have some uh, uh, Christopher Marlowe for you to read. 
Ooh, nice. <laughs> but like, you know, it turns out that like I had a nice 10 years ish in Objective C and you had to move on just like you're on Mate. Were you ever involved in Wayland by any chance? No. And so you dodged that bullet. Okay. I, oh, yeah. Like when like three years ago, I had no idea what any of this stuff was. Like my husband and I, we would listen to like Linux Action News, Linux Unplug and Ubuntu podcast. And they'd be talking about like Wayland and all the file systems. I'm like, what are they talking about? I have, and then like, oh, I yeah. think we started listening just after the whole Unity thing. And I'm like, people are really angry about this, but I don't know why. Yeah. And now I listen to the shows. I'm like, oh, this all makes so much more sense. You know, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, I think our current shit show is uh, Snap versus Flatpak, if I'm not mistaken. <gasps> Yeah. Too, soon. Hey, too soon. Too soon, Mike. Too soon. You know what? You fight the war during the war, not after. <laughs> Everybody likes to dunk on poor uh, poor Unity now. Unity was viable for a while. So was Wayland. Like, yeah. Then, you know, no one adopted it because Canonical, yeah, you know, not even go there. But, <laughs> so, okay. So you're facilitating open source. You're facilitating community engagement. You are also probably using a lot of naval battle analogies i would imagine shockingly not enough but you know trafalgar day is coming up so i should really up those see that i i can totally get across in the tea joke in there somewhere <gasps> oh my gosh that would crossing the tea with <laughs> such a bad pun I can hear the Googling already. Yeah. I know people going, what, what is the this? What is she talking about? <laughs> it's like, well, if you play any naval strategy games, which, oh my gosh. Um, Do you have a recommendation? Oh, I real, you know, because I really, I haven't had a good gaming PC for a while until the one that I just got now. But a friend recommended one to me and, oh. I can't remember what it's called, but um, also I was watching uh, Jason Evangelo, his clip of playing Sea of Thieves, which, you know, pirates, but oh my God, it looks so beautiful. Is that the super cartoony? Uh... No, no, okay, it's like super realistic -y, like just like the oh. water effects on it are beautiful. And even if they don't have dolphins in the gameplay yet, which is an oversight that needs to be fixed, okay. um, hopefully we'll be coming in some DLC later because they do have sharks, but no dolphins. But um, but I really haven't been able to play kind of any of the more taxing games yet. But I will see if I can get the link to that game. So in the show notes, you can put it there. And I'll assume it works on Linux, right? I'll keep my fingers crossed. So. I can yeah. be pretty confident that someone will make it work. Unless it has that weird, um, I forgot the name of it, but one of those weird anti-sheet packages for some reason freaks out Lutris or Proton. Or, but. Yeah. Main thing that I use Lutris for is for the, is for the Sims 4, which speaking of, um, there's a, there's a Star Wars expansion set and it's super nice. fun, but there's no Gungans. Sorry. You know, we've made a lot of progress socially, but Gungan, <laughs> Gungan prejudice is the only 
polite society acceptable prejudice left. <laughs> you, you can't say anything about anybody else, but you can walk into a, to a fancy cocktail party and be like, you know, those gunkins, I don't know. Yeah. And, and nobody, not even in a scant eye. So I think you know, that should change, right? Oh, we should. I think we should have a Twitter campaign um, to EA asking for more Gungan representation. We should also ask Sauron to be a little nicer to the Shire. I don't think it's EA. It's not exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like the last person that's going to listen to anybody. (laughs) We got the knitting pack, which is pretty awesome. So, which is hilarious that i can have my little virtual me sit and knit and i'm like you know should i be actually knitting instead of (laughs) making my little avatar knit in the game so since we're completely on the rails i'm gonna take up this tangent so a couple years ago there was an iphone game or an ipad or whatever game called game dev studio (gasps) in which you played a simulation of running a game (laughs) development company Yes. I was playing it in bed. And my wife looked at. She said, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Oh, it's like you're pretending to run a game development company." She's like, "You own a software company. Why don't you like go build an actual game or something?" I was like, "Oh." She's like, "Well, what's that screen do?" I'm I'm managing the payroll. She's like, "What the hell is wrong with you? You're playing your actual job." Like, I was like, "No, why don't you game develop?" She's like. But nothing stops you from that. Like, <laughs> oh my no, I, gosh. I promptly deleted that game and reevaluated some of my choices. I kind of feel for your wife because my husband John loves those kind of gamified work, like yep. his game of choice. And I love you, sweetie, if you're listening to this, is Farming Simulator. And it's just like, if we ever have to run a farm, I think we're kind of set because he kind of knows all of these things now. And I says, man, if we could get some really fancy kind of Internet of Toaster stuff going on and we could like hook up all the tractors and things to the the game, it could be like Ender's Game, but with farming equipment. I mean, could you grow some tea? Unfortunately, no. I mean, he was having adventures in Sillage last week. So, what the hell is Sillage? Uh, fermented grass, and you uh, use it for like for biofuel. But all right, to be I'll take f- it. but to be fair, he also built up a ramp of this stuff and used it to get his truck flying over the lake on his farm, which was pretty awesome. Ah, uh, so he's got that Elon Musk thing going. <laughs> Uh, natural fuels and i'm gonna fly a fly an automobile yeah yes but yeah but it's so it's like um, but you know i love to play um animal crossing i got a switch this summer nice. to stay in touch with my niece in colorado so we do uh animal crossing and mario kart occasionally splatoon 2 but i'm horrible at that so horrible and a lot of animal crossing is just yet yeah, gamified chores like oh i'm gonna pull weeds in a game <laughs> it's like mm. you could go pull weeds in real life it's like not the same <laughs> so <laughs> You know, so if you want to do Excel spreadsheets in a game and it makes you happy, then who's to say that's wrong? 
Well, the trick was it was pretty colors, and I didn't know it was Excel spreadsheets. The, but yeah. the minute the minute she pointed it out, it was like the veils fell from my eyes, and I was like, "I hate myself." Right? It was just like this horrible moment of because, like, one of the tasks is hire a junior developer. Here's a list of candidates. It's like, oh, son of a. Bitch. It's like it tricked me into doing HR. No, right? Like you know, you, one of your developers is leaving for a competitor. Here's some strategies to try to retain her. It's like, wait a minute, what, what, what the hell? It was just like you know, I'm losing my mind basically. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. my goodness. Uh, all right. So what is Seagull? So Seagull is it is a. Uh, it is a grassroots tech conference that normally happens in person, and this year because everything is virtual. I'm going to say, why not this year? Well, I wonder why. I hear uh, so, big rallies work out great for everybody involved. Yes, just big gatherings, just Garden totally parties, if you fine. Will. Yeah. Oh, totally fine. So they are doing a virtual conference, like a bunch of other ones, but they've also been trying to find ways of how do we keep that kind of in-person, um, that in-personness going. And so I am organizing uh, their virtual Teagle because this is awesome, and I thought you would love this, that the past few, I think, two or, or, or three years for their conference, that they have this table that is the tea table, and everyone can just leave, you know, some of their favorite teas on this table, and you it's like, kind of like the leave a penny, take a penny, but love with it. tea. And so they were trying to, you know, like a lot of conferences are like, how do we have that in-person feel? Even though we're all doing this on, you know, Jitsi or Big Blue Button or Zoom or whatever else. And so I had done a tea party for Guadec this summer, which we didn't do the tea exchange, but we all sat around and drank tea and brought out fancy hats and it was awesome. And so one of the gnome people who also is a seagull organizer was like, Hey, so we normally do this tea swap. Do you want to help us try and put it online? And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. It's like, I've joked that that's kind of one of my dream jobs is to be an open source tea party organizer. So nice. I've got two now. I think I could kind of say that. And so the hard part was saying like, well, how do we do the exchange? So like, how do we do the forms? How do we have an anonymity you don't see me putting the T in scare quotes, but I am. So people can participate, but keep their location and actual name private. And so I think it's the most privacy organized tea swap and party ever, which is kind of cool. I love but, it. Yeah. So it should be a lot of fun. And I am hoping that until we can kind of get back in person that I've seen a lot of conferences do things like cooking classes, cocktail hours. I think Academy had virtual escape rooms, um, pet parades, and all these kinds of things to, you know, not only just have the panels, but also kind of have chances to like genuinely 
connect. And I think that's been really important. So if you're listening to this and you do an open source conference and you're like, hey, we we could use tea, let me know and I'll be happy to organize a tea exchange and party. But you have to bring your own fancy hats. <laughs> I love it. All right. <laughs> so I always ask two questions to wrap up, except for that time I forgot with Jono. Um, That's okay. One, what does your day-to-day system look like? Um, trying to remember to look at my my planner, which is really important, especially kind of starting this week. Uh, usually settling into my desk with a cup of tea and trying to really kind of just stay focused as I'm bound, especially when you bounce around from at least two projects to events. And then I also do um, freelance tutoring as well. And in addition to that, you know, trying to do things like make breakfast and lunch and kind of start thinking of, oh yeah, dinner, that's a thing. Right, keeping yourself alive, yeah. Yes, and trying to, you know, eat the food that's in our house instead of just ordering food to our door. Yeah. So that's pretty much, I mean, and that's what I've kind of been doing for the last, what, six months. And I have to say it works reasonably well. It could always be better, but reasonably well. Awesome. And the last question is, what should I have asked you that I either didn't know or forgot to? (gasps) That's an evil question. I'm an evil person. Uh, Yeah. Um, What is my favorite kind of tea? Oh, my gosh. Obvious. What is your favorite kind of tea? Oh, I think that, oh, my gosh. I am a sucker for like foofy Earl Greys. Like there is Twinings makes, they were doing a rose and a lavender Earl Grey. And oh my gosh, like lavender Earl Grey is just delightful. It's like it takes that kind of citrusy floral element and then just cranks it it up. That actually sounds really good. It does. Do the tea swap and I will send some. I will have to do it then. Monica, this was tons of fun. This was. Thank you. Thank you. We should do it again. And I'll, uh, I think I'll, I think, yeah, I'll talk to you Thursday for the book club, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Thanks. All right. All right. Well, take, well, Tuesday, uh, I know, and sorry that signups have closed, but today is for the Q&A and Thursday is for the study room. For the action. Yep. All right. Sounds good. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.